The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenleaf, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I want to talk to you about Jesus. Not the cotton candy Jesus. Not the Jesus of our American culture. I recognize that some of the things I say can sound very offensive to you. But I've not come to try to please you. I've come to try to save you. I've come to talk about the real issues of being a Christian. Most of what we see today that we call Christian is still of the darkness. It's being promulgated by men and women who walk in the darkness, who do not walk in the light. How can I say that? Because if the fruit of the Spirit is not evident in a person's life, they are walking in the darkness. I'm not talking here about the fruits of the Spirit. I'm talking about what the book of Galatians describes singularly as the fruit of of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what the fruit of the Spirit is. If you walk in the light and you don't walk in the darkness, because in the darkness, there is no life. The Apostle Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. We're going to deal with some of these issues today on Pilgrim's Progress. Now I'd like to share with you a text. a text that I received this morning. Let me read it for you. This is a man who is very educated about the gospel. He can argue endlessly the theology of the gospel. He is highly trained academically. He is a man who has not been move from the darkness to the light. 
he wrote saying, I do not see how I can be saved. I am a pagan. Restrained from my sin rather than a Christian converted from my sin. I am filled with worldly sorrow and do not know how to get godly sorrow. I am all about me. Any advice? I wrote saying, Yes, perhaps you're ready now to talk about Jesus and the new birth. He texts me back saying, I do not know. I've had so many conversations about Jesus and the new birth. Do you think another talk will help? I feel I am beyond help. This is a man who is finally becoming honest about his standing before God. This is a man who is finally beginning to understand the difference between a conversation about Jesus and actually leaving the darkness and entering into the light. Now, it's very clear in the scripture that this is not an easy journey. Jesus said, if a man will follow me, deny himself, take up his cross. That's what has to happen. The cross is an instrument of execution. He said, narrow is the door, and only a few find it. Many of you listening to this broadcast will not be saved because you will not be willing to do what I am going to describe for you today that must be done if you are to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from your sin. Many of you treat sin very lightly. And I want to show you why. If we go to John, the first chapter, and this is in way of review from yesterday. John, chapter 1. The true light that gave light to every man was coming into the world. Verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So, a description is being given of a people who are very religious but who have not been willing to recognize who Jesus is. They recognize that he is a historical figure. They recognize that he was a man. But John is saying there's something missing. 
We're going to identify that today. Verse 12, this is John 1, verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, and it should be to those who continued to believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Or, we could easily also translate this, he gave authority to become children of God. You see, all of the earth, through Adam and Eve, were brought into the darkness. They left the light, and they entered into the darkness. They became children of the devil. All who have not been born from above are children of the devil. Now, please, don't be insulted by this, but rather listen to how you can enter into the light. The whole of Scripture is about this rescue of men and women, boys and girls, little children, being rescued from the dominion of the devil or darkness and being brought into the light. There is only one way a man or a woman can leave the dominion of darkness and enter into the light. A man cannot, by his conscience, force himself to keep some law, for the law does not have the power to cleanse the law does not have the power to remove sin from your life. The law can only point out your sin so that you can see your true condition and then begin to make your way into the light. And we're going to describe today what must take place if you're going to enter into that light before you enter that light, you must have permission. You must, you must have the authority granted by God to enter into that light. Many of you who listen to this broadcast and many who call themselves Christians have taken the first step and you have received the right to become children of God because you have denied yourself. You have taken up your cross and then you quickly dropped it and said, I don't want to die. And if all I can do is live in the darkness, then I'm going to coat it with a spray paint of Christian faith I'll do some self-improvement. I'll leave the grosser sins if I'm able to. I'm going to focus on workshops and seminars and strategies to win. But you're still the same person. You still struggle. You go back time after time as you're prompted and you repent, but you're still the same person. One man knowingly said, 
I have never seen a man totally changed. And so I don't believe it's possible. And so I'll just work at it as I can. Please, what I'm going to tell you today is that you must have a supernatural encounter with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to try to spell out very specifically what that encounter must entail. I have, on the other hand, in my own life, been totally and completely changed. The bitterness and the anger have been removed. The love of darkness has been utterly destroyed in my heart. I find it empty and disgusting. I no longer have an interest in the entertainment of this world. I no longer have a lust in my heart for the things I used to love. But by the mighty hand of God, by a supernatural encounter with Jesus Christ, I was utterly broken and changed. But I want to give you the scripture that will describe how this is to take place. In the book of John, in the first chapter, it says, Yet to all, verse 12, received him, to those who believed in his name, a continuous believing, he gave the right or the authority to become children of God. So John is saying that you must make a decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you have not yet been born from above. You have been simply granted the permission, the authority, to begin to engage in the process that will make you into a new creature. the right to become children of God instead of children of the devil. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. My brother, my sister, please hear me. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the right, you have the authority to be born of God. But if you think that receiving Jesus Christ is all you need to do and you are saved, you are still a child of darkness and the wrath and judgment of God yet remain on your life. There must be an utter and total change. Now please hear me. I am not condemning any of you. I do not condemn a man for being a child of the devil. I love them. I pray for them. 
and I minister the word as honestly as I can to them. But it is my cry, it is my heart cry, that every one of you listening to this broadcast will be born of God. And it will mean a total, dramatic transformation of your life. And you will immediately produce the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Joy, love, peace, kindness, self-control. If these things are not in your life, it is evidence that you are still under the power of darkness. I don't condemn you for that. I rather want to lay out how you can leave that darkness and how you can be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 14, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, it is Jesus that John the Baptist saw, and he said, This is he who will take away the sin of the world. So let's right up front understand that you cannot give yourself a new birth. It is something Jesus must do for you and in you. Now, in verse 4 of, of chapter 1, he says, I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. And then verse 36, Look, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. Then the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So the first step, understanding that the Lamb of God takes away the sin, is to begin to focus entirely all of our energy on following Jesus. I'm going to explain also what that means in just a moment. The first thing that Jesus does after disciples come to him is found in John the second chapter. John does not deal with superficial issues and there is no accident in the way he lays out the gospel of John. So he opens the Gospel of John, after the disciples begin to come to him by inviting them to join him in a wedding at Cana. This is a wedding that his mother has been invited to, and they have invited Jesus and his disciples. Now, weddings in this culture were huge. It was the event of the year. The family threw a feast that lasted for days. They go to Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother is there, 
and then a terrible thing happens. More people show up for this wedding than they had planned. And so they run out of wine. This would be a great tragedy. It would insult the family name. To not have adequate wine for your wedding guests would be unthinkable. And Jesus' mother, knowing who her son is, and doing probably what she had done for a number of years, always turning to Jesus, says they have no more wine. The wine is gone. And Jesus answers, Dear woman, or better translated, Mother dear, why do you involve me? Look, I'm just a wedding guest. He says, My time has not yet come. He's saying, It's not time for me to be crucified. Why are you involving me in this? His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And I suspect that suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, that this was a teachable moment. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washings. These washings occurred when a person comes into a guest's home. Often there was a bath at the front entrance. They dipped in that bath, or they washed their hands. They washed their feet. It was a, a ritual cleansing. Each jar held from 20 to 30 gallons of water. They needed much water to pour over people's feet and over their hands, and even a bath if necessary. Jesus, turning to his wedding servants that were there, said, fill the jars with water. So they filled these huge jars with water. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. The master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside, and he said, Everyone brings out the choice wines first, and then the cheaper wines after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best to last. And then this very telling note. This, the first of the miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee, and he thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. Well, what is it saying? What, what is a sign? A road sign is a sign that gives us information and points the way points us where we need to stop or go or turn. Road signs 
or any kind of sign gives us direction. And so the Gospel of John begins by saying, I am going to give you direction about how to begin to follow Jesus. Now, the disciples had literally changed their plans, canceled their fishing, told their families, we are going to follow Jesus. So they physically got on the road and began to follow Jesus. Then this story of the of the wine, and it's called now in John, a sign that points to something. What does it point? Well, in the Old Covenant, you have the water of purification. You have the water that washes away the filth, the dirt. But in the New Covenant, you're going to have the wine. It is the best. Jesus is saying, my blood is going to be better than water. I'm not interested in just washing away your sin. I am interested in totally fulfilling your joy. Wine is associated in Scripture with joy. I'm going to I'm going to give to you not just cleansing. I'm going to give you joy. I'm going to make you into a new person. This is what the sign is pointing to. The powerful blood of Jesus that will not just wash away sin, but will make us righteous, that will transform us and change us into a new person, into a new creature that utterly leaves the darkness that renounces the darkness. Now, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus comes in chapter 3 of John. This is a sequential laying out of the process by which you enter into life. This man, Nicodemus, was a very religious man, he had gone through the cleansings. He had offered all the required animal sacrifices. He came to Jesus at night. It's not accidental. John makes no accidental moves in his description of this process of salvation. He came to Jesus at night, not just because he didn't want to be seen with Jesus. He came to Jesus at night because he dwelt in the darkness and not in the light. Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs that you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born from above. So here it is right in our faces. There must be a new birth, 
a total transformation, not a long process of struggling in self-improvement. I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. In other words, you must be born of the water to wash away your sin. But then you must be born of the Spirit to be made righteous in Jesus Christ. This is not a human work. This is not a work of legalism. This is a work of the Holy Spirit by the Holy Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You cannot enter the kingdom of God by simply gaining permission to be born from above. You must in reality be born from above. That's why Jesus says you must follow me. You must deny yourself. What does it mean to deny yourself? It means you must turn off the flow of wickedness into your heart. You must turn off the television. You must turn off the movies. You must turn off the pornography. You must turn aside from everything of the wicked flesh and say, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior, and now I need to be born again. I must be changed. I must be washed in the water, and I must be born in the Spirit. In order for that to happen, you must turn away from every conceivable sin in your heart and in your life. And the place to begin is on your knees before God or laying on the floor before the Lord or with a piece of paper making notes and you identify every known rebellion in your heart against Jesus and against the light. Now, there was a time in my life when I was confronted and told, you must repent, Pastor. And my response was, I repented when I became a Christian. I don't have any sin that I know I need to repent of. How woefully ignorant I was of my condition before God. My heart was utterly filled with pride and self-sufficiency, with ambition, with lust. But I was unconscious. The Holy Spirit begins to move in our heart. He grants us permission to become sons and daughters of God. And then we need to go into that prayer closet and begin to confess the desperate need of our heart and ask Jesus to expose the fullness of our love affair with the powers of darkness. We begin to ask that he will expose us, expose all self-sufficiency, expose all lust and love for the things of darkness, of the entertainment of the world. 
of the ambition of the world, of the money of the world. We must get on our faces before him and begin to plead for understanding and for the presence of the Holy Spirit to come and give us a new birth. He says, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell, tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. In other words, when you are born of the Spirit, you no longer pay attention to the things of this world. You now only pay attention to the Word of God, to prayer, and to obedience to the Lord in every, even the smallest detail of your life. And you do not walk back into the darkness and into the entertainment of the devil. You simply don't go there. If you do go there, you instantly are faced with the uncleanness. And the Spirit of God within you says, Run, flee to the light, and repent. He continues. Nicodemus responds with, How can this be? Some of you right now are saying, Pastor, you're talking crazy talk. How can this be? Any person who is comfortable in the darkness, believing themselves to be a Christian because they have received permission to be born from above, but have refused to be born, that person will say, come on, how can you talk like this, Pastor? Jesus says to him, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then can you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes, that is, everyone who adheres, everyone who was willing to go through the dying process of everything of the flesh and be born from above and be filled with the Holy Spirit, they may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him, that is, continuously believes in him and obeys him, he shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God wants to save you. God wants to save you. But the only way he can save you 
as if you walk in the light. Now listen. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But men loved darkness instead of the light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Now please understand what I'm saying in my own life. I chose to begin to sacrificially follow Jesus Christ. I began to cut off everything of the flesh. I began to cry out to God. I spent days and hours on my face crying out to God. I was a very religious man, but I was not a man who'd been born from above. I was a pastor. I preached every week. I had a seminary education, a, a master's of divinity, but I'd not been born from above. Being born from above means I come to a place where I am dying. My hopes, my dreams, my ownership of money, family, time. Everything must be laid on the altar. Everything must be put on the altar of God. Romans, the 12th chapter, verses 1 and 2. We must finally face the reality Will I continue to fight against the promptings of the Holy Spirit in my heart? Will I settle into the haze of religion? Or do I want the total death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Until you come to that place, you will not be born from above by the Holy Spirit. You see, he will not come in and deal with the cross current. He will not allow you to live your life of wickedness, of self-centeredness, of love for the things of darkness, the things the world loves. He will not allow you to live in that and have him also live in you. There is only room for one in your heart and mind. And he wants to be that one. When I turn in the scriptures, there's so many places I could go, but let's go quickly to the book of Romans. 
Romans, the sixth chapter. The first verse, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Absolutely no. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? If you are living in sin as a Christian, you have been granted permission to become a son of God, but you are not yet a son of God, and the wrath of God yet remains upon you, and in the judgment you will be cast into the lake of fire because you did not finish and allow the Holy Spirit to wash you with water and baptize you in the Spirit and bring a total transformation to your life. We died to sin. That's what I'm describing when I say we must come before the Lord in great humility, contrition, laying out every fear, laying out every lust, laying out every ownership. And we must lay that on the altar of burnt offering. He says, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through the baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, <coughs> pardon me, just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Do you understand? Today, I'm talking to you about a new life. A life lived in the light, having left the darkness. So many of you are trying to live in the darkness and in the light at the same time, and you can't do it. You either live in the darkness or you live in the light. If you live in the light, you no longer walk in sin. You've been washed. You've been purified. The Holy Spirit has come in to dwell. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we certainly also will be united with him in his resurrection. Is the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus in your life more important to you than your job and your money? Is it more important to you than your family? Is it more important to you than your entertainment? Is it more important than food? Is the resurrection of Jesus in your life the absolute most important thing to you? Are you willing to lay aside everything else and be in Jesus, crucified, resurrected, serving, serving or are you still concerned with yourself and your deal and your life see a dead man doesn't care about his life anymore you go to the graveyard and walk over people's graves and they don't even rise up and say why are you walking on me no they're dead when we leave the darkness it's behind us and we enter into the light of jesus christ 
verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. Inventory. The word count means inventory. Inventory your life. Determine that there is no sin remaining in your heart. Count yourselves, inventory yourselves, dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. Let's be, let's be honest. We all have offered the instruments of our body, our hands and our feet, our mouth, our mind, our heart. We have offered them to darkness. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm willing to wash away all of that darkness. I'm willing to wash away all of that sin. I'm willing to forgive you by my blood for all of those wicked things you have said and done for the rage that rises in your heart. I'm willing to forgive you for all of that, for the abuse, for the alcoholism, for the drug addiction. I'm willing to forgive you for all of that. And I'm also willing to come by my Holy Spirit into your life and transform you by a supernatural act of grace into a completely different person. That is the gift of God he's offering to you today. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. See, I've seen Christian men, so-called, go back time after time to their wickedness. Until finally they, with weeping, say, I can't go back again. I'm crucifying Christ. I'm crucifying my Lord. And you finally reach that crisis place where you say, I must have Jesus. I must have Jesus. Now you're ready for the Holy Spirit to come in and transform your life. Jesus is not offered on a heavenly smorgasbord. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus is not offered with many other things, and you can pick and choose between them all. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way into heaven but through the precious blood of Jesus, washing you clean, and then being filled with the Holy Spirit, and being transformed into a new creature. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. This is the gospel. There is a new life waiting for you.
Some of you have already entered into that new light, and I rejoice with you. I rejoice with you. But many of you, as you listen today, still have sin as your master. You're still clueless about your real condition before God. You've never really gotten serious about following Jesus. You've tried to walk in religion, and you've tried to keep all of your other agendas going. Please hear me today. You cannot do that and be born of the Spirit. You cannot have religion among a myriad of interests. It's either Jesus or it's nothing. You either must turn to Jesus with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, or you're a religious person who's been given permission to be born from above, but you have never been willing to go through the dying and the resurrection. And so you've never truly known the joy and the peace that fills the heart of a person who has the fruit of the Spirit in their life. He continues, Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to that one whom you obey? whether you are slaves to sin which leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness. You see, there is a road to righteousness. It's not an overnight deal. It is a, a process of coming to terms with the reality of your spiritual life. It is a process of self-examination in the light of the Holy Spirit searching your heart. It is denying yourself and turning away from these things and pleading with tears after Jesus. I have a picture in my mind of, of men and women, boys and girls, stumbling with tears and wailing as they try to follow Jesus. And they finally come to a place where they fall down helpless. They can struggle no more. They recognize they cannot break the power of sin in their heart. And they find to, finally come to Jesus. And they say, I can only be set free from my sin by your supernatural work of grace. Would you put your arms around me, Jesus, and would you wash me? Would you make me clean? Will you set my feet on high ground? Will you put a hatred in my heart for all sin? Will you cause me to no longer be a slave 
but a follower of you, Jesus. And he will come. He will come. Almighty God, I plead your mercy today. I plead your grace. I plead that men and women today will choose to be born from above. Lord, come searching after lost sheep. I pray in your holy name. Amen. We're going to continue this study and we're going to focus now on the school of the Holy Spirit. But we are coming to the end of the month and we are still $2,300 short of our goal to pay for radio this month. It's been a very slow month. I ask, would you go to nationalprayerchapel.com and would you look at our address and would you give as the Lord calls you to give for this work of the gospel? The National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. Two two one nine five. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I pray for you daily. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of his glory with great joy.